We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. And now, an ad from Dad. All right, save money on car insurance when you bundle home and auto with Progressive. Can I take these off? All right. What is this? This looks good. Wow. That's well made. Where did you get this? I'm talking to you with the hair. Yeah, where did you get this? It's good stuff. That's solid. That's not veneer. That's solid stuff. Progressive can't save you from becoming your parents, but we can save you money when you bundle home and auto. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company affiliates and other insurers. Discounts not available in all states or situations. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the July 5th 2019 edition of the Fantasy Football Report, a Rotoviz radio news show covering the serious and mocking the ridiculous NFL news of the last week, brought to you by the FFPC. I'm Blair Andrews. You can follow me on Twitter at Am I the Real Blair? And my co-host is Hassan Rahim, who you can follow at HRR5010. Hassan, what's up? What's up, Blair? How is uh, the long weekend treating you? Hopefully it's treating you nicely. Uh, it's uh, pretty balls out here, but I'm excited to uh, chat some football. Yeah, definitely excited. It's all right, getting over a cold, but um, yeah, can't wait to to start talking football with our guest today. On the show with us today is a living legend in the fantasy world. That, of course, is Rich Rebar. If you're not already following him on Twitter, then you're probably doing it wrong, but just in case, you can find him at Lord Reeves. Rich, thanks for joining us. How's it going? It's going great, guys. Thanks for having me on. I mean, uh, you know, last summer we really tried to make this happen, and just it just always something else kept happening to where we couldn't make it make it go down. So I'm glad we just got ahead of it and we're knocking it out, you know, as early as we can this summer. Absolutely, yeah. One of the best times to be talking fantasy football, you know, Scott Fish Bowl is coming up. There's some good off season news. You know, we can really uh, get into it while the you know hardcore listeners are still with us. So yeah, it's a good time. 
Uh, let's get right into the first item. Patrick Mahomes says he has improved his conditioning this offseason. So, you know, Rich, we've kind of hit peak offseason here now that we've got this blurb, the best shape of his life blurb. Um, do you think there's room for the Chiefs offense to actually <laughs> progress this season? Uh, I mean, it would be pretty hard to say just from a statistical stance. I mean, I know that's the, the cliche you know thing to answer. I actually had a tweet you know earlier today about it. You know, if you look at their offensive ranks, you know, per play and possession, you know, uh, since that kind of data was kept track of since the 1999 season, in the course of any NFL team seasons over that you know 21 year span, uh, in points per play they were tied for first ever, yards per play they were second ever. First down rate per play, first ever. Touchdown rate per play, first ever. Yards per drive, their third ever. Scoring rate per drive, their fourth ever. Touchdown rate per drive, they were second. Really hard to just to get over that hurdle, you know, when you have that kind of season that they have. Uh, when you look at Mahomes himself, I mean, you know, obviously you're going to hear a lot of Mahomes regression speak, you know, after he threw the 50 touchdowns. The last time we had a QB1 repeat back-to-back years was Dante Culpepper in 2003 and Dante uh, in uh, 2004. Um, and then outside of Mahomes' 2018 season, there have been 12 other seasons in which a quarterback's thrown 40 or more passing touchdowns. None of those previous 12 passers threw more touchdowns the following season. Nine of those 12 players threw 16 or fewer touchdown passes, you know, in that, you know, follow-up season. So it's just, they set the bar so high, it's hard to say that they are going to be better. Uh, but they're one of those teams that even through the the R-word regression, um, they're still going to be among the league's best. You know, they're going to come, sure, they're going to come back to normalcy but they're still going to be in context of the league one of the better offenses of the league and still guys that you want to have attachment to for fantasy football yeah i mean the, the way i kind of like view mahomes a little bit is uh i've been calling him you know he's a bit of a kingmaker just like by playing on that offense every everyone's a threat to score i mean uh, uh anthony sherman uh, had that fantasy relevant <laughs> game against um uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers in week three last year. So, you know, I mean, anything is possible with, 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 with Mahomes throwing, you know, the nuclear warheads that he throws around, just, just those like Scott missile 50 yard bombs. Um, I, I know we're still waiting on uh, to hear about like the hill of uh, the, the fate of Tyreek Hill, especially, I mean, and it's a very uh, bummer of a topic. And, and again, my thoughts are really here with the family and really with the child. Um, but out of curiosity, uh, you know, is, is this just like, just like a Kelsey absolute smash spot of a season co- incoming? Or are there other guys that you think would be viable um, players to like, you know, that should benefit even in, 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 in Hill's absence? Yeah, so I mean, we're just waiting on the news to see what it's going to be. If it's going to be, you know, a four-game suspension, a six-game suspension, eight-game suspension, a no-game suspension. We don't know. Um, you know, obviously, I think that the, the top trickle down, everyone's going to be on Kelsey. He's going in the top 15 picks. You know, you're going to have one, like, really one to two opportunities at max to draft Kelsey. So, listen, we know he's going to be good. Uh, then you get the move down the line. Sammy Watkins in his seven full games, again, seven full games is the problem with Sammy Watkins. He actually out targeted and had more receptions than Tyreek Hill in those games uh you know and he he had some kind of bad touchdown luck in that massive touchdown season only three touchdowns last year but um he was like one of the league leaders in yards per separation uh and then you talk about compared with his a dot too so he was getting big money targets too and just not converting them into touchdowns but one of the league leaders in there so I was actually into drafting him 
to start the offseason. Then I was drafting him once the, the Tyreek news was fresh. Then he got kind of a little bit expensive, and I cooled off a little bit as, as things have caught up. But I think I'm going to be back on him again as you know as people start to like. I, I would assume he'll he'll trickle down a little bit if it ends up being just a four or six game suspension. And then you know down the line, it just depends on what we get through preseason, if we see, you know, how this depth chart, you know, kind of plays out, you know, last year it was kind of DeMarcus Robinson was the next man up, you know, when either Chris Conley or Sammy Watkins didn't play, he ran 28 routes per game uh, in, in those games, you know, so you got an opportunity there. Like I said, we're just looking for attachment guys on the field in this offense. Cause we know that it's going to be among one of the league's best. So you're just looking for cheap attachment. And then, you know, we've had some Byron Pringle buzz. We talked a little show. We were joking about Garrett Dieter, you know, being friends with, you know, uh, Patrick Mahomes, you know, kind of being his boy. We'll play the Earl Bennett card, uh, you know, a little bit, but, uh, yeah, ev- everyone, you just, you can just grab some cheap, cheap dynasty, you know, attachment to some of those guys, let it play out as what it is. But, uh, yeah, for me, I'm going to be, Kind of, you know, on Sammy Watkins, I think Ryder died this year, so uh, which will probably be death. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Watkins isn't. Uh... Watkins is someone I've kind of, you know, I've liked him since he came out um, of Clemson. And I have it. <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> so yeah. <laughs> He's someone who, I guess, for like the first, I mean, this is not quite true, but it seems like every year he he disappoints me. So um, mm-hmm. I've like finally come to the point where I'm like, just, uh, you know what you're getting with Watkins. He's going to probably not play enough games and be another disappointment. So that has me looking pretty closely at McCole Hardman. Uh, you know, oh, yeah, I forgot even to mention McCole Hardman. Yeah, he didn't. <laughs> He didn't have like huge production in college, which is something I'm usually looking for, but he definitely can run fast and uh with Mahomes, you know, maybe that's all that matters. Yeah, very similar overlap to what, you know, Tyreek Hill did. And remember Tyreek Hill at um when he transferred out and was at the Juco school, he only had one hundred yard game there uh that season, which is pretty interesting. I thought when I was looking up his, you know, his his stats, you know, um, I, the, the name of the school off the top of my head's eluding me that he uh, left, you know, Oklahoma State to go to, but he didn't even like go bonkers there either, which is interesting. So, well, Hardman has, like you said, that big kick return production too. We always love those guys, you know, uh, that have the, you know, that that, that receiving, you know, they declare early receiving, you know, to go along with the special teams ability, and you know, he won't ask anyone to be Tyree Kill while Tyreek Hill is out for however many games out is unrealistic, especially for a rookie, but there's definitely a clear overlap in traits and some, you know, background, you know, how they were used in college to what Hardman has. Yeah. The, the thing that's interesting about like Hardman a little bit is that his lack of production could partially be explained by the fact that he played on Georgia with a, um, you know, a, a reasonably good college quarterback, but nowhere near like the elite kind of players and they were a very run-heavy team over there. What, why I'm really interested in Hardman is uh, Blair's done plenty of work on this over uh, on Rotoviz. If you guys go subscribe, uh, check out any of his wrong read columns. He's done a lot of work, especially on finding guys uh, who declare early, typically tend to hit at a uh, greater rate mm-hmm. than those who t- who spend, you know, use up all their eligibility in college. So all else equal, realistically, we've got. You know, like you mentioned, Rich, he's got like traits that are similar to Hills, a production profile that's kind of similar to Hills. And, uh, you know, I mean, maybe he produces in year one, maybe he doesn't. And But like, he's a very intriguing dynasty name in that we can see Sammy Watkins not 
you know, the Chiefs opting to not pick up his team option for next year, uh, you know, sort of clearing the way for, for, for Hardman, so to speak. I mean, they did trade up for him. And they weren't the only team interested in trading up for him. I believe the Jets were also trying to trade up for him as well. Um, so, I, I don't know. I mean, I don't know what your uh, current projections or ranks have uh, Michael Hardman at, but but he's a guy that I'll be looking at very hard in preseason DFS for sure. And then probably also, um, you know, not as much as in uh, head-to-head season long, but his, his price is really starting to, you know, fall on – best ball formats and if i'm able to get him as my wide receiver six or seven or even eight mm-hmm. that's i mean that's free money i mean that's house money you're playing with at that point depending on how you build your team it was a uh, west alabama too is that's where he mm-hmm. that's where tyreek hill went to yes <laughs> devonta adams believes uh geronimo allison will be dangerous in the new offense rich uh do you think uh, allison's position to take a step forward this season or is there someone else expect to have a uh, big breakout season among the auxiliary receivers over on Green Bay, given that it's a you know a bit of a muddle there behind Adams. Yeah, you know it's it's interesting because Allison was the guy that was getting drafted first early on. Now it's kind of flipped to Valdez Scantling. I do I like Valdez Scantling just from a career arc stance a little more and as a as a profile as a prospect. But I do I am interested in Allison and watching him this preseason. I wish the the franchise would have extended more of a little bit of, you know, safety net for him instead of just doing the one year 2.8 million, which was better than the tender he was, you know, restricted as, but just the one year contract. We know that they've got like a glutton of guys after him on the depth chart. So, you know, how much faith are they really placing in him? But anytime Allison has gotten playing time and it started when he would play for whenever either Jordy or Randall Cobb was out, you know, prior to last year, then he got a chance to start last year and he was really good the first month. He was a wide receiver three or better in all four games. The first month he was averaging just under 15 PPR points per game. Uh, and, you know, anytime he's played 50% or more of the snaps, which is 11 career games, he's averaged uh, 59 receiving yards per game. So he's been productive whenever he's gotten on the field. So if he's a guy that wins that wide receiver two job, uh, you know, kind of is that, is that flanker, you know, there, I mean, I'm going to be interested. Uh, I, I, like I said, I do like Valdez Scantling a little bit more because I like, he's just kind of like, I call him like my version of like fantasy redheads. Like he's just my, the guy, like I'm, a, he just fits an archetype I'm attracted to. These big physical guys that can move around and play big slot, you know, uh, move around formation. They're good after the catch. They're good vertically. Like those are like my siren songs, those types of guys. I love those kind of guys. Uh, you know, look at him last year, averaged 5.7 yards after the catch. That was 18th of all wide receivers. He led all rookie wide receivers in receiving yards on targets over 20 yards downfield more than calvin ridley more than dj moore more than Cortland sutton led led all rookies that's basically playing you know basically part-time half the year and he also had the most ppr points any packers rookie wide receivers had since aaron Rodgers has been the starter uh so I, I was like hammering him early on and i still think he's undervalued even with a little bit of a hype that's going on uh but i'm really interested in watching that packers you know the the, the second third wide receivers in that offense because i'm really interested in the, the play action effect that Matt LaFleur and this offense can have with Aaron Rodgers, whether he, he wants to run play action or not, he should, he should embrace it and just, you know, get with the program uh, like most NFL quarterbacks. 
just should just I think that they're we seen Kirk Cousins like drop that comment, you know, how he got the you know the analytics, you know, department got with him and showed like how good he was with play action. It didn't matter whether they could run or not. So I'd like to see more quarterbacks kind of embrace what they can do. I mean, it's the most effective way to pass. And the last time Rodgers used play action a ton was the twenty fourteen season when he hurt his ankle. You know, they kind of by proxy had to run more play action because he couldn't move around as much. And that's the year he has the last time he won MVP. Uh, so, I mean, you know, I'm really hoping that that play action impact can really have an impact on the Packers passing game. And it's like that, like I said, that second, third wide receiver spot, I'm going to be watching, you know, a lot, you know, uh, this preseason. Yeah, I, um, I agree about Valdez Scaling. I think he's actually my favorite guy to probably take that uh, Green Bay, you know, second wide receiver slot. I mean, it seems like, you know, every year when this, when this slot is a little bit fuzzy, uh, we get into this. Uh, <laughs> we get into this cycle where we hype somebody and uh, <laughs> expecting big things, and uh, then they disappoint. But yeah, I mean, for all the reasons you said, MVS looks like he could be. Uh, he could be the real deal. I mean, one other guy who's getting some buzz and has been seeing his uh, draft stock go up a little bit is Jake Kumaro. Um Oh yeah. Not not to anywhere where like you have to. <laughs> you have to take a pick before your last pick of the draft to get him. But I mean, uh, is he someone that you have any interest in? Yeah, he's a guy I picked up in a, a, a few dynasty leagues, even coming out. And he was with the Bengals for a couple of years, and you know, or he was with the Bengals his first two years, and then bounced around. Caught him with the Packers last year, and remember he had buzz last year. This time, you know, there was all those you know camper more. It's like Rogers loves this guy, you know. Um, he's kind of a goofy looking dude, like this like, white long haired like guy, but uh, he just breaks big plays. Remember he led the team in receiving in the preseason last year. Hurt his shoulder, was on IR the first eleven games, and by that point, like it was almost a lost cause of the season. But he did have that one long touchdown against the Jets. Uh, and like Rogers' best game of the year towards the end of the season, so you're kind of seeing like some of the buzz pick up, pick up again for him. I just don't know if there's like if there's like a true line for him to like really get snaps that we care about. Um, but yeah, like later round picks, dark throws, hanging on on dynasty rosters, absolutely wait it out and see what happens with him. This is uh, neither here nor there, but like Equanimia St. Brown is a guy who's like ADP just is in massive free fall and i've taken him you know a handful of times in the 20th in in, in best ball tens so i mean if you go looking at my uh my my exposure i have a significant <laughs> chunk invested in mvs at around like a 14th per second like the 14th round and then i've got like a an almost even split for like esb as my final pick in the 20th is there any interest in him if only because you know uh, he sort of had a little bit to come on, but uh, but that was after MVS and Adams were kind of you know sidelined. Yeah, I mean, I don't like I said, I won't, I'll never push back on anyone's like rounds 15 through 18 pick. Like, you know, what I mean, if like, like it, you know, what I mean, at that point, like, I, I'm not gonna ever tear down anyone's like guys that they're taking shots on, especially guys you know attached to Aaron Rodgers. Uh, you know, so definitely, I don't, I don't mind that at all. I mean, I just look at last year. Oh, at first of all, I didn't like him like that much as a prospect, and I thought he was overhyped, and then I thought that played out during the draft by where he was taken. You know, they took two wide receivers ahead of him. Interesting, they took Jamon Moore, who's basically like a lost guy. There now and probably on the roster bubble going into a second year um but i didn't like him as a prospect he really didn't get on the field in like a season where like he probably had his best opportunity to get on the field like because of all the injuries they had behind adams uh so i just wonder if the deck's kind of stacked against him but he actually was good 
with the opportunity he had too as well last year, especially when you're looking at like, uh, you know, adjusted yards per attempt to, to wide receivers, you know, both he and MVS were, were the highest, you know, last year per target. Obviously you're working with a smaller sample size than a guy like Devontae Adams has and you don't care. Um, you know, you're not, you're not using that to throw like shade on Devontae Adams, but with the opportunity that St. Brown had, he was good. Um, I just like wonder if he's, you know, looking at like being the starting out as like the fifth man plus, and then you're just hoping for the domino to fall for him to get true opportunity. But like I said, if you're taking a shot on Aaron Rodgers guy at the end, I have no problem with that. Yeah. There's so many guys back here who are like all a little bit interesting. I mean, you know, you look at the Packers wide receiver, uh, group and it doesn't look like they have a lot behind Adams, but they didn't invest anything in the draft or uh, really mm-hmm. anytime. So I mean, they're obviously I don't know, <laughs> I guess comfortable with uh, what they have going into the season. So um, yeah, it makes sense that one of these guys is probably going to do something. But yeah, tough to parse. Say Metro by T-Mobile, got the best deal in wireless, and it's all for you, all for me. Just switch quickly, because Metro has two lines for 80, and two Samsung Galaxy J7 Star phones for free, plus Amazon Prime included. That's the way wireless should be, only at Metro. Plus sales tax and activation fee. $50 plus rate plan required. Not valid for numbers currently on T-Mobile Network or on Metro in past 90 days. Offer subject to change. Offer valid for new Amazon Prime members. Amazon Prime has a $12.99 per month value. Restrictions apply. See store for details and terms and conditions. Your home is important. That's why GEICO helps make it easy to save on condo insurance. Because home is more than just a place. Home is where you took minimalism too far because there's only one chair in your entire condo and your only entertainment is one card. Not even a deck of cards, but a single card. And all your guests have to share one plate and one fork, but you're convinced that less stuff means more freedom. The GEICO Insurance Agency could help protect the overly minimalist broom closet you call home. Call GEICO and see how easy it is to switch and save on condo insurance. All right, before we get into No Shit, Shit No, I just want to remind you that Rotoviz Patreon is back for a second season, and it's better than ever. Patronships start at just $6 a month. And we now offer exclusive access to Rotoviz Radio Slack, where you can ask questions, gain league-winning advice from many of the podcast hosts and writing team. Uh, Patrons also get first dibs on listener league spots. And in the $9 tier, you get some sweet Rotoviz Radio merch at the end of the season. So become a Rotoviz Radio patron today to join an exclusive community of listeners, access premium content, and do your part in helping the network to grow and continue to produce high-quality industry-leading programming. Yeah, and uh, speaking of exclusives, as a loyal podcast listener, you can get a 10% off a Rotoviz NFL Pass right now. It's available to the NFL Podcast homepage, rotaviz.com slash podcast. You know, gain unlimited access to all of our NFL content and our tools. You get amazing value. You help support the podcast network. And once again, that's rotaviz.com slash podcast. All right, let's get into no shit, shit, no. First item, the NFL will not suspend Ezekiel Elliott uh, for his May altercation with a security guard in Las Vegas. Uh, I mean, yeah, I mean, no shit. I mean, it's, uh, I mean, if you, I mean, if you saw the video, I mean, it was, you know, yeah, granted, I mean, it was one, it was caught on video, but like he didn't like, you know, he didn't like hit him or anything. He basically like gave him a little shoulder, you know, a little, little bump. Uh, but it wasn't anything, you know, it was, you were more worried about the what, he had done before and what they've spent it for and the line of that, but you were never, I think worried that Zeke was really going to get suspended over this. I mean, I don't know where you guys are at, but uh, I mean, Zeke's kind of set up to have like, 
like out of the top three guys, like if you can say like that didn't have probably his best season yet. I mean, I guess you could say Saquon probably still has a better season in him than what he had. But McCaffrey basically like that probably this might be the best last year might be the best season we had from McCaffrey. And that's not throwing shade at McCaffrey. I think he's going to be really good and obviously a dual threat top five guy easily. But statistically, that might be the best season we get from him, you know, just from just all the, the things the Panthers have added this offseason. But like Zeke still has room to like improve on what he did last year. And we still don't have that complete rushing receiving season with him we had it a little bit last but then we lost the touchdowns and he just had poor touchdown luck he only scored on uh under two percent of his rushing attempts after scoring on four percent you know up into his career into that point so i mean he gets a little bit of touchdown recoil back like he can easily turn into the rb1 and i mean obviously he's draft being drafted in the top three spots anyways but uh when i look at the top three guys i think he's in a spot to actually elevate where i think that we'll probably see a little bit of recoil from the other two guys barkley and uh, Christian McCaffrey. And then unfortunately, you know, Kamara always hangs out in that four spot and the saints just don't really want to let us have like the, the Uber Alvin Kamara that we had the first month of last season. You know, they want to keep him fresh because that dude, the first month of last season, Alvin Kamara is by far and away the best player in fantasy. Like if we got that for 16 games and the saints would just let us have that, like he's easily, easily, he might, he threatened to be the, have one of the best fantasy running back seasons ever. Um, yeah, that would be uh, too much to ask, probably. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, just the days of the days of just starting your DFS research, you're plugging in an Alvin Kamara, and then just ringing it <laughs> for, for, for for just for four weeks straight. What a it was simple back then. Um, <laughs> I mean, he was averaging like 35 PPR points per game. Yeah. It was it was stupid. It was just stupid. It, it, it just yeah it. it <laughs> It legitimately made you somewhat angry that um, if when you had to see him coming up on your on your schedule just because in those first four <laughs> weeks because you just knew you just knew, like, there's no way you were winning that matchup. It's like okay, so maybe just maybe I get ceiling games from like everyone on my lineup, and maybe we've got enough to like handle this other guy. Nah, it just it never works out that way. <laughs> condolences if you if you faced Alvin Kamara in those first four weeks. Yep, I mean it's just one of those things. You're like, all right, I'm already chased. I'm already down thirty points. <laughs> yeah, just yeah, <laughs> just 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 accept it. It's better off before, and then you can enjoy the actual performance on the on the field. It was so much fun watching that guy go go. Just he went well, like nuts. You said. Just play him in DFS. There was always yeah. a hedge there. It was, hey man, we had him in DFS. You feel a little bit better about losing your your league. Uh, by just knowing you had, you, you could cheer for him too. It's all right. Uh, yeah, exactly. Uh, the Athletics is uh, Paul Denner predicts Giovanni Bernard will see eleven to thirteen touches per game in twenty nineteen. Oh, I mean, uh, shit, no, no way this is happening. Uh, I mean, I understand like the you know the the, the coaching change and like that, but you've got a guy in Joe Mixon who is like the next like young do it all back, like a guy that can. He can he can easily be a guy we talk about next year where he we can easily say like he still is being underdrafted you know where he is this year at like the turn like that late round one early round two turn uh, you know he we haven't even gotten like that big receiving season out of him yet you know uh, yet and he was the only guy that thrived at the end of last season when that offense just completely died I mean when Driscoll was starting um i used to request so last year i wrote where we blurb games and you know uh i always try to like request like the, the worst teams the shittiest teams uh just because it's like way less work you know spoiler you know for every <laughs> trying to blurb. 
So like like the Bengals at like that point of like four dudes to blurb like Boyd had gotten hurt. Like you're blurbing like Mixon, like Driscoll, like Uzoma, like John Ross. Like I was like it. And like every week, so I had the Bengals. I had the Bengals game. Like somehow he just kept producing. Like and this just the sea of just terrible offense and just, you know, um, he's just, he's one of those, he was a guy that fit that mold, you know, coming out of, you know, college, obviously he had the transgressions off the field. And if you don't want to root for him, I totally respect that. You don't have to root for him. Uh, you know, you can cross them off your list, but as terms of like archetype, you know, 225 pound catch, you know, athletic profile, correct. Like he's, he's that guy. He's in that mold. So, I mean, you're going to give a guy like Gio Bernard touches when you have a, just a sea of Gio Bernard replacements in as, depth on that roster i mean i can't i ain't buying none of that this next blurb has to be one of my favorite josh doxson believes he will be a free agent in 2020 <laughs> uh yeah no shit man <laughs> uh yeah i i don't think that the, the josh doxson's long for the the washington washington world you know at all uh you know it's funny that he was a little bit older prospect you know kind of had a little bit of intrigue just by his profile like i said i like those big kind of clashing types but uh you know kind of kind of got stuck in a bad spot you know kind of just never really is gonna he's we know he's not gonna hit this year not the rookie quarterback playing so i mean we can just uh, go ahead and pencil him in as hitting for agency um I, I think there's a really good uh fd post uh about josh doxson just him being an old prospect who's just is not in- intriguing like from years ago i don't know if you remember that one i don't remember the specific post but yeah he was a definitely an older dude he wrote one that was it was something like the title was like josh doxson is old and i don't care or something like that <laughs> no yeah <laughs> trying josh to convince Oxen himself that yeah. doxson might be good but it was right a tenuous yeah. case and then i think you also doubted jameson crowder <laughs> eh, one for two i guess <laughs> <laughs> That's yeah, a pretty good hit rate for rookies, though. <laughs> um, Texans' RB coach, uh, Danny Barrett, said Dante Foreman is light years ahead of where he was last year. Yeah, I mean, no shit. He's, he's coming off of, uh, you know, an Achilles injury. And, you know, we no, talked about, you know, everyone knows, like, the running back history of Achilles. And, you know, honestly, you know, it's not even running back. This is basically all, you know, skill players. But it's been talked about more from running backs. Not a lot of guys have fully recovered. But, you know, he's over a full year removed now from that injury. You got to play a little bit at the end of last season. They haven't had, they didn't add anything you know, in that backfield. So, I mean, we've got, you know, complete, you know, one piece bikini, Lamar Miller, you know, is still there. And, you know, so the opportunity is going to be there. Lamar Miller loses reps at the end of every season. So, you know, we can bump it up, but uh, there's no, there's no way um, that it should be shocking that he looks better this off season, you know, than <laughs> obviously last year when he started on the season up, up, you know, for the first 11 games. You think this could be the year he uh, overtakes Lamar Miller? Uh, I would say outright overtakes him, probably not, but uh, I wouldn't put it past, like, you know, an injury to open a door and stuff like that, you know, to, to clear it. He's obviously one of the better zero RB picks, just given w- how much the Texans actually run the football when you look at the, the, the rushing passing splits. Um, and then, you know, obviously, you know, Lamar Miller has been a very uh, – he's, he hasn't missed a lot of games for running back and, you know, for a guy that has a lot of touches too. You know, he's got the five years with over 1,100 yards – a longest ongoing streak in the league, but, uh, you know, he's due to probably, you know, suffer an injury. I don't want to put it ill will. I don't wish injuries on guys, but I mean, Deontay Foreman is one of the better zero RB picks. Um, what's interesting. I mean, to me personally, was that like, we saw Alfred blue 
be fantasy relevant for like a very hot stretch. I don't know if fantasy, I mean fantasy relevant might be too giving him too much credit, but like he did step <laughs> in when 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 Lamar Miller had to deal with uh, I believe it was ankle issues. Um, my my memory's failing, uh, if only because I remember the like, I remember it was like week ten or eleven or something like that where the Cowboys game where he just caught like thirteen passes and like. Yeah. Yes. Like, what, what the hell is going on? Yes, 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 yes. Uh, one of the things that uh, I've been working off is given his shallow A dot, I have a weird feeling that Kiki QT is going to be more of an extension of the passing, like the run game as opposed to, an, you know, an actual pass game uh, option. I think Kiki has, uh, you know, real chops to be a, a proper down the field wide receiver. He showed, you know, he showed that flash at... Uh, at Texas Tech, uh, especially with Mahomes and, and without Mahomes. But, uh, you know, with the way they used Kiki last year, a lot of those shallow A-dot, just manufacturing those touches, you know, I have a weird feeling that, like, Kiki could be more of that, that guy who steals away that passing work. And we know Foreman won't really steal much of the passing work from, like, Lamar Miller, so maybe there is a little bit of caution to throw to the wind here with, with, with Lamar, especially at his current ADP. I mean, they don't throw to the running backs anyways. I mean, Lamar was a guy. Lamar's averaged fewer catches per game than Leonard Fournette, you know, over the over the past two seasons. You know, when you know we all, people give people actually unfairly give Fournette, you know, uh, ding him in the receiving game when he actually is like pretty decent. You know, uh, he's not great, but he's actually a decent receiver. Um, and and with the type of targets, I mean, Lamar Miller has actually been kind of a bad receiver in Houston. You know, two two years out of the three, he's been with the Texans. I think he's averaged six and a half yards per catch or lower. Um, like I said, he's only missed four games o- over the past six years. So, I mean, pretty pretty fortunate for a running back that's had his type of volume over that stretch. According to Kevin Bowen of 1070 The Fan, the Colts are extremely bullish on Deion Kane. Oh, man. Uh, I would have to say shit no, man. They brought in, you know, they drafted a receiver in the second round. Uh, they brought in, you know, Devin Funches, which is only a one-year deal, kind of like the deal Moncrief got last year to to leave them to go to Jacksonville. Um, but I can't really believe they're really banking on Deion Kane, you know, a guy, I believe he was a sixth rounder, his rookie year. Um, I, they, I think they actually took Fountain over him. Maybe I'm wrong on that, but I think that they might've taken Fountain over him. So, I mean, I really can't think that the, all the actions the, the franchise have done really haven't backed that play. Uh, they can say that, but uh, everything that they've really done has is like supremely, supremely backed, you know, Deion Kane. I want to believe in him, uh, but I, I really don't think that the, the, the stars are really pointing to what they're selling right now. Eagles running back coach Deuce Staley is pleased with the performance of both of newcomers, Miles Sanders and Jordan Howard. Yeah, I mean, when I mean, no shit. When you have, you know, Corey Clement, Josh Adams, uh, Darren Sproles, they got your running back stable, you know, from a year ago, uh, you're going to feel a lot better, you know, having some new blood in there, especially some something you drafted. You know, we give, you know, we've, we've obviously made Jordan Howard a punching bag uh, for the things he can't do. Um, but, you know, behind that offensive line, like he'll, he'll be like a great, like tertiary, you know, early down, you know, kind of in that role running back. He's just such a rigid player and he can only get his fantasy points under one set of circumstances that, you know, he doesn't find our rosters, but Miles Sanders is still being drafted like RB 30 or lower, uh, which makes him like one of those other good, like if you're drafting wide receiver heavy or you draft, you know, running back to the top and hit wide receiver for a while, a good guy to make your RB three or like, you know, you know, just put as a bench play and see what happens. Cause the upside's there. Uh, you know, the, we talked about that offensive line. The offense in general is really good uh, and provides so many scoring opportunities. And he's a guy that can catch. You know, he just was buried behind Saquon Barkley. He does have some real, like, ball control issues. He fumbled 10 times last year at Penn State. 
you know, obviously that's not going to fly in the NFL. You know, he's got a little bit of uh, he had a little bit of bad habits of trying to bounce everything outside too. Uh, but Miles Sanders, you know, going at like RB thirty plus, while like a guy David Montgomery is going like he's going like around RB twenty to twenty two now, uh, doesn't really make a whole lot of sense. You know, the gap between those two guys, and maybe it'll flip as we get later into August. But uh, I've been drafting a lot of Miles Sanders as my bench running back. You know, with the hopes that he can be a lot more. The Athletics' Greg Oman said Peyton Barber is certainly likely to finish with more yards than Ronald Jones. Oh, boy. This this team. <laughs> um, I mean, it's just the situation. I'm going to say, you know, kind of shit no on this one. And I, mean, I, I, I understand that, like, that's still kind of like a – that's almost like a bet in Ronald Jones' corner. Uh, but it's just so bad. Like uh, – Payne Barber was just so bad with the amount of touches that he had that I just like have a hard time believing that a team's going to like do that again. Uh, you know, he was able to keep him off the field. He was 12th of all running backs in touches last year, Peyton Barber, but 42nd in fantasy points per game at the position, 3.8 yards per touch ranked ahead of only LeGarrette Blunt uh, for all backs over hundred touches last season. Uh, you know, Bruce Arians, uh, you know, kind of has been a guy that's been willing to give like these tween, like tweener backs historically, like a, some, some, like a lot of touches too. So Ronald Jones's profile might not scare him. Uh, maybe the pass catching does. Uh, but man, like Peyton Barber was just so objectively bad and Ronald Jones was also objectively bad, but he, he didn't have the touch volume that Peyton Barber had, uh, which may say something about Ronald Jones as in totality just because he couldn't play over Peyton Barber but um I think he was kind of unfairly buried a little bit even though I didn't like him as a prospect but to just keep going to that Peyton Barber well uh I think would just be would just be wild yeah I did a little bit of work on this like during this I wrote the zero RB report uh, in season for Rotoviz last year and one of the things I kind of posited a little bit was the team did themselves a bit of a disservice at the start of the game by coming out hot and winning two games that fits on the center, right? Like, 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 like dirt cutter was for all intents and purposes fired before the start of the 2018 season, even reported yes. in the media. And then he was hired. Like they extended <laughs> right before the draft. And this seems like a very front office pick and it feels almost like the coaching staff was at war with the front office. And had they just sort of, you know, started off 0-4, you know, they, they could have just cleaned house and been done with it. Handed, the, you know, the reins off to Todd Monken um, by, we, you know, like once James came back and then figured out what to do from there on out, right? And, and, and part of why I think, like, Rojo was unfairly buried a little bit is because... I, I mean, just as an outside observer, it felt like the coaching staff was tilting at windmills the whole season. Like, you know, they're 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 benching Winston for Fitzpatrick. They're benching Fitzpatrick. They're talking up of the uh, Ryan Griffin, the quarterback. Like, it just felt like they had no real direction, and it feels almost like a sigh of relief when he finally got fired. And I wonder how much of that had to play in as a very bad landing spot for a young running back rookie who is not, a, you know, his prospect profile, what stood out was uh, his, you know, the fact that he was productive at a young age and declared early, and that was about all he had going for him, right? So mm -hmm. when he's, you know, he's a tweener back, he's kind of undersized. I, I, I don't know if you buy into this because it's more of a conspiracy theory than actually based in any facts. But, uh, you know, I mean, new coaching staff, you know, maybe there is some incentive to get him to to see what they have in their early second round pick. But at the, on the other hand, I don't know how much trust I have in Jason 
uh, in their GM, Jason, liked making picks. Any help? <laughs> the guy traded up for a kicker? You know, you're stacking those. Who's not in the league up. anymore? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that, yeah, not even one in the league anymore. Ruined him. No, it's one of those things that it's it's tough. Like, uh, you know, I look at Peyton Barber and like, let's say Peyton Barber just is the starter. They like we outright know after watching the preseason he's a starter. Like, we have one of those like Brian Hartline situations where like you say like, well, I'm buying these targets here, but you're never gonna play them. That's kind of like what Peyton Barber is if you invest into him. It was like this last year too. It was one of those guys you sell yourself like he's a value at ADP and the the bottom line is gonna show him his value. But like he was like totally an unusable fantasy commodity and like and like his best opportunity he'll probably have ever for his career. So um, Larry Holder of the Athletic left Cameron Meredith off his Saints' roster projection. Yeah, I think this is one of those no, no shit ones too. I mean, I just that injury was so bad. We knew his career was going to be in jeopardy. A lot of people, the doctors, the doctor follows that we we all follow thought it was going to be something that was going to really set back his career, especially being a bigger receiver. And you know, they drafted Traquan, you know, last year. They already brought in Rashard Matthews. Uh, you know, they still have Ginn. They brought in Jared Cook. I just don't think that the opportunity is going to be there for him to either either one make the team or two really be part of the, you know the, the, that offense. Anyways, if he does hang on to the roster. Foster. Speaking of some Saints wide receivers, all of Traquan specifically, do you think this is uh, the year he can kind of break out? He's someone who we saw put up uh, a couple like huge games and then a bunch of zeros, and someone I'm still waiting to hit on a lot of my dynasty rosters. Yeah, and then lost, you know, he lost reps to Kirkwood. They basically played Kirkwood over him at the end of the year. But I mean, he's still the objective guy to bet on. Like, if you're talking about behind Michael Thomas, what to bet on, I mean, Richard Matthews is a guy who was basically out of football last year, uh, just signed, just signed, you know, like two weeks ago. Uh, they've, they've got Ginn, who's 32, 33 now. Uh, you know, the, and then they've got Kirkwood, who's just the really has just like a, a really crummy, you know, profile and like really didn't do anything with this opportunity last year either. So we got a rookie they invested in, flashed. Uh, you know, listen, man, guys can pop for a little bit, but he's still a rookie receiver, you know, kind of, you know, got overwhelmed and, and lost track. But, you know, he's got a his second season coming in the league, you know, that old cliche, uh, you know. So, I mean, I, I mean, it just makes all the sense for them to still give him a little bit of a tarmac to see what he can do and expand his role and let him see if he can, you know, outright out take the job from Ginn to start the season or, you know, in season kind of have a larger role to start the year than he did last year when he kind of needs some of those doors to open up for him. Uh, so, I mean, but just from an objective stance, he's he's obviously the guy that has the best, you know, objective bet, betting profile of the guys after Michael Thomas. Steelers wide receivers coach Daryl Drake praised Dante Moncrief for how quickly he's picked up the offense. I mean, I mean, no shit. I mean, this is this is a guy that was has been good when he's played with real quarterbacks. I mean, like not. I, I just like well, hashed. I mean, not good is probably probably extenuated that they're a good touchdown score at least. You know, I mean, he was productive with Andrew Luck. You know, the first three years of his career is from a touchdown stance, uh, and you know, kind of having some splash play moments. And then he played a year with Jacoby Brissett, and then he played a year with Blake Bortles and Cody Kessler. Uh, so, I mean, you know, coming back and playing with Ben Roethlisberger, a guy who is one of these guys that's consistently elevated 
um, you know, of, of receivers and, and touchdown production and yards production. I mean, he can definitely be one of those guys at just 26 years old. I know we've done this Moncrief, you know, off and on, you know, throughout his career, but he can be one of those guys that falls in like that 50 to 60 catch range and flirts with like eight to 10 touchdowns, you know, as like, you know, a, a guy that's probably better more in best ball sure than, than season long, but a guy that can kind of like plug and play and chase targets with that points of the season. If your roster like is really thin. According to Adam Yans at The Athletic, David Montgomery was a problem for the Bears' defense during OTAs. Oh, man. This is, I mean, I have I have really mixed feelings with David Montgomery stuff. Um, I, I don't know if I, this might be the one I just hedge on. I don't really know. Because uh, he, he just goes so ludicrously high. Like, for, like, a lot of people are just, like, penciling him in as, like, a locked-in RB2, which is, I feel like, so extreme. Uh, especially given, you know, they have a guy that has a locked-in role like Cohen, and it's a, definitely an ancillary role. That we still don't know what the hell Mike Davis is going to be involved. They've got a healthy receiving core this year they didn't have last year. Um, Montgomery kind of has one of these just pedestrian, you know, athletic profiles, but then he was ultra-productive in, like, a team that had this, like, a terrible offensive line. One of the best, better running backs in terms of, you know, success rate and yards per carry over his teammates. Uh, that offensive line was so bad last year. And then he, he can also catch the ball. He had 70 catches in college, too. So there's definitely pros. Oh, man, he just goes so high. Like, I just I, – I have a hard time just, like, penciling him in. It's like a locked-in RB2 where he goes, uh, especially around points in the draft. He's – I talked about this a little bit on Bloom's podcast. Like, RB15 to RB30 is, like, the highest bust rate, like, spot of the running back position. And where those guys goes in drafts, it makes it more of an inherent risk. So those guys are going, you know, rounds three through six in fantasy drafts, uh, where if you just hammer like RBs afterwards, uh, you know, RB 30, 31 plus, uh, you're, you're, you're getting almost like equal footing if you just throw like a gaggle of those guys instead of trying to nail the guys in that middle of that, that, that gap there, that 15 to 30. And of course there's good players in there. Guys I like, guys you like, we can tell a lot of spot positive stories on a lot of guys. But objectively, like wide receivers are just such a better spot to draft in that point of the draft. Like Montgomery is one of those guys that just feels like at the end of the day, like we get to like week 14, week 15, and we'll just like, I just feel like he has just such a chance to be like one of those easy guys to look back and be like, why the hell were we drafting him so high? Um, where he's just more of like, a, you know, an RB3, uh, you know, has like, has like bouts of like being like good in fantasy. Um, but uh, I don't know. I, I'm not all the way on the hype that this dude is like, like just like a, a like a set forget like running back right now for fantasy. I I wonder if the problem actually is that Vic Fangio is gone. Um, like I I don't know what this Bears defense is going to end up looking like. They, I mean, sure you got Khalil Mack on one end, and then um you got you know a team that went into the playoffs and um lost on national television against the Eagles as backup quarterback. And uh, the only information, this is the only like positive skill information that's come out from like Chicago Bears camp uh, because like this entire offseason has consisted of hearing about Matt Nagy signing kickers and having them repeat the uh, the, the uh, kick the field goal from 43 <laughs> yards out. And, and, and I believe that um, that Tariq Cohen actually mentioned this on, on Sirius XM a few, a few weeks ago. He, he mentioned how like they start every day watching that double doink. <laughs> and how they don't want to deal with that pain again, and 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 we've got Matt Nagy going full laces out over in like from a, like Ace Ventura Pet Detective. It's also an offense that just wasn't like even for like what their defense set them up with is like outside of like a few big games, like they overall just like weren't like that great of an offense, you know. Like for as much as the stigma of Matt Nagy has, and you know you look at like yards for play and points for play and stuff like that, they were 
they were like middling, middling to back end of the league. And, you know, we still don't know what Mr. Trubisky is. I mean, he could easily be like Bortles. Like there's a, like, that's definitely well within the range of outcomes for Mitchell Trubisky at this stage. Uh, so, I mean, like I said, I just have a hard time penciling in Montgomery as like a set and forget fantasy option. And that's where he's climbed to already. And we, and we're getting just more buzz. Yeah. It's, uh, I, I don't know, man. It's, I, I'm with you. I really find it. It's really weird trying to take Montgomery in drafts if only because I see him sort of like at the top of the ADP list. And then two picks before I get a chance, I'm like, oh, maybe I'll consider Montgomery. Like, you know, I'm, I'm kicking around like ideas of like, do I need a running back or not? And then it's just like he's gone. And I'm like, whoop. Like, yes, maybe, maybe like it just it's just not gonna have worked for me this year to where to where and I'm suddenly up to pay. like I've got very little Montgomery, and that's like not even that outside of like reaching like a round and a half ahead of where he's currently going. I just don't think I'm gonna get any Montgomery because there seems to always be some person in the draft who likes him way more than I do. Yep. Uh, Eli Manning doesn't think he's in a competition with the first-round quarterback, Daniel Jones. <laughs> uh, shit, no, man. He, be- he better believe he's, he's, in, he's in one of them. Uh, I mean, you look at the, the rate of what top 10 quarterbacks um, when they start, uh, you know, you know, look at the since 2008 or actually not even 2008. So I believe the past 20 years I had it and, and wrote about this in a thing. I was trying to find it real fast, but uh, I lost at the rate of when those guys uh, start, you know, it's top 10 picks, basically, you know, average over 11 games per season. So basically for Eli Manning to start the whole season, the Giants have to extremely outkick uh, their, their expectations. Like they just have to be a better team record-wise than we we project them to be, or at least Eli Manning has to be playing a lot better football than we project him to be, uh, you know, at that point of the season. Because if they start one and four or two and five, something like that, like th- there's just going to be pushed for Daniel Jones to play. I mean, Pat Shermer's already in his second year. Uh, you know, his his clock's already moving. You know, on on his you know coaching tenure. Uh, so I mean, Daniel Jones is going to play. I'm ready for it to happen. Um, I, I don't like Daniel Jones. I thought he was a bad pick, but like for fantasy, like he's so much on brand for me. He's kind of one of these hair on fire, like bad quarterbacks in reality, but like he's going to run around a little bit. They've got some guys that can make plays. I could see him like being like a super flex, like QB2, having some weeks where he's like actually relevant just because he's got that, like I said, one of those hair on fire quarterbacks. So I'm kind of hoping he does play for the fun factor. Um, I I'm actually kind of excited uh, to, like you said, like not just not just for the hair and fire fun factor, if also <laughs> only because um, uh, it'd be really cool to actually see like a mobile version of Eli Manning out there. You know? <laughs> yes, <laughs> like I think that's 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 what I think would be the most interesting part. Oh, a mobile a mobile Manning. Who would have thought we would have ever seen the day. <laughs> Nick Carucci of the Buffalo News expects Cole Beasley to lead the Bills in catches. Oh man, I'm calling shit now on this man. No, no way. If it listen, I'll tell you what. If Cole Beasley does lead the Bills in catches, the Bills sucked. They sucked again. Like you know, that like if if you don't you don't want a guy like Cole Beasley like leading your team in catches because it means your passing game sucked. I mean, Beasley's one of those weird guys too. Like everyone kind of like thinks is like always been like an inherent value, but he's entering the season at age thirty. He's never finished higher than wide receiver 43 in PPR points uh, overall. And he's got a, his best points per game finish is wide receiver 42. Like, I feel like he's one of these guys that people always try to sell as like a value or something good. But he's like, he's like, he's Cole Beasley, man. Like, he's, he's not doing anything good. He's a weird signing because like, 
it's weird because Zay Jones, like he still might not be good, and we don't really know what he is last year. But for the <coughs> excuse me, the stuff he made, <coughs> choking here, choking on the Zay Jones take. Uh, <coughs> but the step forward that he made over a just disaster rookie season, one of the worst rookie seasons we've ever had, for them just not to give him a chance from a second-round pick that made improvement to go into year three uh, would just be a mistake. And he's just been inherently a way better inside receiver than an outside receiver so far. Um, you know, he ran 48% of his routes from the slot last year, Zay Jones, that is. And he's caught 65% of his targets from the slot uh, for 13 yards per catch which is way better than on the perimeter, which you think is depth of target would give him better chances for yards per catch. Uh, just 10.8 yards per reception, you know, uh, outside for Zay Jones. He's a guy that's kind of built from Eastern Carolina to play inside, kind of be one of those bigger slot guys. Um, for, so them moving him outside in favor of a guy like Cole Beasley, just in his third year, if he's a second round pick on him, uh, you know, two years prior, like I can't think of a worse thing like an organization could do. Um. I know I'm going to go a little bit off the beaten path in this one, but so I'm going to give some relationship advice. Uh, find someone who <laughs> loves you much like everybody who plays in PPR leagues loves Cole Beasley. I have <laughs> um, uh, been taking Zay a lot in like the 18th and I kind of just sort of cooled off a little bit. I, I mean, like he had a, a very, you know, he had 108 target season last year. He wasn't exactly dead with whoever the backup quarterback was in there. Matt Barkley, I want to say. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Barkley oh, threw no. two touchdowns, too, I believe. Yeah, oh, man, that's actually sad just knowing that I know that about the Bills, <laughs> but <laughs> there's, there's probably some self-reflection in there. But, yeah, I mean, but at the same time, the, the interesting thing about, like, Zay is that he's also one of the established wide receivers in, on that roster. I mean, you know, people remember, like, Josh Allen chucking the bombs to, to, to Robert Foster. But, I mean, it's not like Zay wasn't racking up a lot of production. I mean... They weren't racking up. Neither player was really racking up a lot of production with Allen in there, if only because he's more running back than he is quarterback. And 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 the teams that did well against were teams motivated to tank uh, for the mm-hmm. season for a higher pick anyway. So this entire you know house of cards offense the Bills ran last year could just not could, could really cease to exist when 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 lights come on and the games actually matter. Um, but I mean, but as far as Cole Beasley goes, like he was re- like. Really good at being this like underneath dude who could rack up all these receptions, and then when you look at it, you, you could swear he got like twenty catches. And you look at your like, <laughs> you, you, you'd go to look at your score, and it's like eight point three yards, and it's like, oh, he gained three yards and eight catches. I mean, <laughs> that was that was the the you know the Cole Beasley line. Like 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 really, the only way Cole Beasley worked out was when like defenders forgot he existed, and he snaked his way to like a touchdown in the end zone. Like it's it's the only way that explains like I mean Cole Beasley's like uh, career year to date. It just uh, I I I understand why people think he's good, but I I also think that those people haven't seen Cole Beasley play. <laughs> um, Bengals is OC Brian Callahan said Tyler Eifert uh, is trending in the right direction. I mean, no shit, they're gonna say that. I mean, it's you know one of these things that every year like would. His, his foot was backwards the last time we saw him. His foot was backwards. 
And it was unfortunate because we all played him in DFS that weekend, too, against Falcons. Uh, but, you know, Eifert's one of these guys. Like, he's a fine best ball guy, but here he is. You know, he's 29 years old. He hasn't played more than eight games since the 2015 season. Even last year, to start that first month, his, his role was reduced from a snap rate standpoint. Uh, the most he played was, like, 65% of the snaps in a game. So they were kind of trying to, you know, just nurse him along as, like, a role player anyways. And I think that's what he's going to be on this roster. They brought Uzoma back, but, like, right when free agency opened, they drafted uh, Drew Sample in the second round. Uh, I think that you know they're they're pegging to limit Eifert a little bit and just kind of play like a, a specific role uh, in this offense when he's on the field, which is, makes it really tough for fantasy. I mean, granted, it's a low bar to get into like that relevant tight end crowd, and you can get there with just touchdowns alone. But when you're setting your lineups weekly and you feel like you've got to chase a guy that's just inherently getting four to six targets a game, it's a lot. It's, it's just really hard to like put those guys in your lineup. So I mean, as a best ball guy, he's fine. Uh, to take a shot on where he goes. I, I mean, I don't have any pushbacks where he goes anyways if you really believe in him. Uh, but at this point, um, like I said, 29 years old, not more than eight games played since 2015. Uh, he's, he's, he's been snake bit a little bit with some bad luck. Last year's injury wasn't anything you could have predicted. Uh, but I think that the, all the signs point to him just being more of a uh, more in a specific role than a guy that you're going to like go out and just give a bunch of targets to. It's been... 10 years since the FFPC filled their first Dynasty League, and now they've grown to be the world's largest Dynasty League commissioner with leagues as high as $5,000 to enter. FFPC leagues are active and competitive, and not a single league has ever folded. Uh, brand new startup Dynasty leagues are forming right now, starting at $77 and up in standard, Superflex, and best ball formats. The FFPC has plenty of other great redraft formats, including best ball drafts starting at $35 all the way up to a $1,250 entry fee. Both slow and live leagues are filling and launching daily. To uh, register for a premium league starting at just $35, go to myffpc.com. I promise this is a really fun format. It goes 28 rounds deep. It's one wherein uh, half of the guys that we've discussed in this podcast, you can go select them in the 28th, 20, uh, 27th, 26th rounds, and you're going to get that production. And it's really fun seeing these guys at the end of your bench really count for something. So go sign up to uh, myffpc.com, and I will see you in the lobby. Geico presents oh, yet another voicemail from your roommate. Hi. So about the kitchen. Turns out when there's a grease fire, you're not supposed to throw water on it. <laughs> Who would have known, right? Anyways, the fire department is here and it's totally cool. Give me a call back when you get a chance. The Geico Insurance Agency could help keep your personal property protected. Like if danger is your roommate's middle name. Visit Geico.com to see how easy it is to switch and save on renter's insurance. Geico presents, yikes, another voicemail from your roommate. Sup, roomie? Hey, a pipe burst in the basement. It's completely flooded. Anyway, I called for someone to fix it, but in the meantime, I was thinking we could finally have that indoor pool party we've always wanted. I got some cool swan floaty things already going. Could you pick up some chips on your way home? Later. The Geico Insurance Agency could help keep your personal property protected. Like if your roommate isn't the brightest pool float in the flooded basement. Visit Geico.com to see how easy it is to switch and save on renter's insurance. All right, moving on to news item number three. Jarvis Landry has been sidelined by an undisclosed injury throughout the offseason program, but recently posted a video of him running routes. Uh, and Landry said it was the first time he's run routes in two and a half months. So it looks like he'll be ready for training camp. So, Rich, um, what should we expect in Cleveland from uh, this offense, you know, with a second season under Mayfield and... Um, you know, what What do you 
what do you expect the target breakdown to be between Odell Beckham and Landry and the rest of the guys? Yeah, first of all, for just from what the Browns did under Freddie Kitchens, they're pretty is pretty uh, you know, kind of drastic. You know, if you look at the season splits, you know, re- removing overtime from all the games, you know, because remember the Browns in the front of the year played like six overtime games, five or six overtime games, it was crazy. But removing overtime, you look at uh, the plays per game the Browns are running, and then under Haley and Hugh, and then what they did with Freddie Kitchens. You know, they were 29th in the NFL in plays per game. Now, they were a lot more efficient. They were first in the NFL in yards per play under Freddie Kitchens. They were more in the middle in terms of points per play, though, in scoring. They were getting a lot of yards, still not generating a lot of points. They were 17th um, in that span, and they were still trailing by, by like, a moderate amount. They were in the middle there, uh, even, even though they had a turnaround. They trailed for 48% of their snaps, which was also – uh, 17th in the league over that span. So, I mean, th- we're looking for a little more play volume out of them than what they showed at the end of last season, especially now that they've got all these, you know, pieces in the offense, adding a big target hog like Odell, having a guy like Jarvis, who has been a volume-induced player in his career, having a guy we're still waiting to kind of take the next step forward, like David Njoku. And their ancillary receivers are guys that are, like, pretty decent. Callaway, uh, for sitting out football all of 2017, struggled the front half of last year. Like, you probably should have expected a rookie that didn't play at all uh, a year of football prior to that. And then the back half of the year, Callaway was a lot better in a reduced role. They got a little bit out of Rashad Perriman. He's not there no more, but Rash- and Rashad Higgins was really productive on a per-target basis. Um, so, I mean, you've got a lot of, you know, moving parts here and what is expected to be kind of an air right type offense, even though we know that they're going to run the football a lot, too, uh, with Nick Chubb. Uh, so, I mean, you look at Landry specifically and what he's done over the past four years. He's had 61, 56, 44, 96 more targets than the next closest player um, on this roster. That's not going to happen this year. He's one. He probably won't lead the Browns in targets. Uh, and, you know, two, he'll be a lot closer to the number three guy probably than, than where he'll be, uh, you know, over what he's been over the next guy closest to him over the, over the past four seasons. Uh, interesting enough, though, he's probably uh, – it, it probably makes him a better player with Odell Beckham on the on the field. And that's not just from, you know, the he's – Odell Beckham's taking more coverage. What it does is allow Landry to just go back playing the position he's supposed to play. And you look at – he had that big A-dot spike last year. And what it did is it turned – it took away Landry's best asset, what he's shown so far in his career, is being a guy that gets yards after the catch. He had just 277 yards after the catch last year, uh, by far his career low. His his numbers before that were 400, 571, 630, 523 to begin his career. Um, you allow him now to play in a role that he's uh, like suited to play instead of trying to be this lead wide receiver where you're giving the giving him targets, you know, 12, 13 yards downfield. He was never supposed to be that type of player. And the Browns, you know, were forced to do that because that's what Dorsey signed him to be, traded for him and signed him to be. Uh, Beckham, we know, is 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 awesome. I mean, he doesn't turn 27 until November this year. He uh, leads NFL history uh, in receiving yardage per game. Uh, prior to turning age 27, uh, he's got the most PPR points per game for any receiver turning 27. Uh, so, I mean, he's getting the upgrade in Eli. Everyone's tweeted out the Eli versus Baker downfield, you know, numbers. Uh, Beckham could be a guy who could actually see fewer targets than he did kind of in New York on a per game basis and still be a better fantasy player. Um, so, I mean, we're, we're all locked in. You Like Beckham's one of those guys, you only have one or two shots to draft anyways. Um, and then the other guy, like it hurts a little bit as Njoku. I mean, he plays a position that is kind of a little bit more fantasy leeway than a guy like Jarvis Landry. So he could still, you know, get into like that lower end tight end rung, but he was second on the team in targets with just 88 a year ago. 
and that was an improvement over his rookie year. Um, but then he was another guy, like when they switched to Freddie Kitchens, you know, switched over to that offense, they spread the ball around more. Um, he just, uh, 13.8 target share over those final eight games with three or fewer receptions in six of those games, kind of a bummer, you know, especially a guy that's 23 years old, kind of has still on this upward trajectory for, you know, his career, uh, just a, a kind of a freak of a guy. And, and he plays a position like we're starving for like this cheap guy with upside, you know? Uh, to, to kind of break out, you know, he still is, he's still affordable where he goes and drafts. The problem is it's just so hard to see the opportunity for him. But I mean, if Baker's going to be as good as he is, someone's going to come along for the ride other than Odell. Um, so, I mean, you get, maybe get a chance, like I said, Landry playing more of an inherent position they should be playing. Um, and then maybe in Joku, if he kind of, you know, can, can find the end zone a little bit more, but Baker himself is like getting way overdrafted. Um, one, he doesn't really run. I mean, he even last year when he was good down that back stretch, I mean, he was just a QB 10 and overall scoring over that span. QB 11 overall, if you want to remove week 17. So, I mean, he's getting drafted like a top five QB pretty steadily, uh, which is which is pretty much a reach. I mean, you're really taking him at ceiling price because you're not, like I said, he's not a guy that runs a lot. Um, even though he's got an okay, you know, athletic profile, but I mean, I mean, to take a quarterback like at his ceiling is something you probably shouldn't do in fantasy drafts. It's it's hard to not get excited uh, a little right. bit about Baker Mayfield and this like Cleveland offense. Um, I'm really just gonna probably overdraft OBJ. <laughs> I think I, I think that's like that's like how I really want to play. I mean I mean when you look at his per game numbers or just I mean can even, you like, overdraft him? Can you overdraft him? <laughs> um, yeah, it's just I mean it's that's actually a very good question. If only because like I've got him. I think. I've had to purposely knock him down in my ranks, if only because I know in best ball it's very difficult for me to justify to justify taking him where I really think he should be going, uh, because you want to lock in one of those elite, you know, bell cow RBs in, in best ball early. But if yeah, I mean, like if I had to gun to my head, like it would be a pretty much a toss up between New OBJ, right? Like at that as a first receiver to come off the board. Like at the one of five, realistically, after the first four RBs are gone, like like it would it would mean you're looking at DJ Nuke or OBJ, and you know I mean like that's kind of the issue that I face when I'm when I when I'm trying to rank this guy. I mean, on a per game basis, what he's done to start his career, like I said, he's, he averages the most. He averages twenty point six PPR points per game, uh, the most of any receiver prior to in twenty seven. It's just like, and he's another guy that's kind of had some bad injury luck too. I mean. Uh, I mean, like I said, I, I I don't think like you really based on what he's already done and the type of ceiling he's shown. I don't think you really can overdraft him, and you know you can't underdraft him. Yeah, yeah, it's just <laughs> man. I mean, I I mean, realistically, it's just it's just. I'm old enough to remember when OBJ was going at like the end of like at the two three turn, instead of like where he is right now, which is solid, like maybe late first. Just what a this game makes fools of us all. <laughs> it's like it's like it's like people were out on him when he was like you know in new york and the second like people realized he was like gonna be playing on one of the hottest one of the best work qbs in the league it just completely completely changed um just a quick question like like what are we doing here with the backfield like do you think chubb is able to really improve on a receiving profile like is there going to be any room for for duke it's just it's just a but it's a spot that, like, uh, you know, I'm just having a little bit of trouble with because like, I don't know what to do with this entire Kareem Hunt, you know, Nick Chubb, Duke Johnson stuff. 
Yeah, I mean, the, the, the Hunt thing is weird because we just we already know he's out eight games. We don't know, like, what it's going to mean when he comes back. I mean, it could take him a few games. Like, he's going to be out. He's not practicing with the team or anything. So, I mean, he's going to have to come back, and we know he's not going to probably get a big role, like, immediately. So, he's going to have to work his way in. We know, like, Duke Johnson, he was the – you know, listen, Duke Johnson last year, if you're drafted, if you're a guy drafting Tariq Cohen high at ADP or James White, just remember that was Duke Johnson last year. And the year before that, it was Chris Thompson. So, uh, you know, that, that archetype has burned – that archetype at cost has burned quite a number of people. Uh, so, I mean, we saw it last year with Duke Johnson. I mean, I, my thing with Chubb is, like you said, it's just – it's kind of just where he goes in the draft. I really like the the big wide receivers where he goes, and he's just a guy from a usage stance. Is there's similar guys if, that are like in his tier uh, that I have him in? You know, I mean, you talk about guys like Fournette or Marlon Mack uh, that are in you know like the, the Jaguars in a situation like the Browns, but definitely the Colts are. And their usage, like how they're, how they're using the run game, but kind of have just like a pedestrian, a very pedestrian passing profile. And Chubb's a guy that can catch, but I mean, he had just 20 catches in his 10 starts. He had more than three catches in just one of those games. Now you add a guy like OBJ, there's just, that we talked about, we just ran down the litany of guys on that roster. Um, and then the types of play volume that they had over that back half that stays similar. Like there's just not enough. Like how can you warrant giving Nick Chubb more targets and not giving the other guys targets? Like, why would you, like, it's a disservice to your offense to give Nick Chubb targets over Odell Beckham, Jarvis Landry, David Njoku, Antonio Callaway, and Richard Higgins. You're doing you're, you're doing a disservice as an offense to do that. So, I mean, uh, look, where Chubb goes, where all the big receivers are kind of in that area, um, you know, there's a lot of receivers I like around where he goes. And just knowing I can kind of wait and get a running back uh, that is kind of has a similar usage profile than Chubb. Uh, I just de- don't draft him a lot, but I'm definitely not down on him. Uh, I believe in the talent. I believe in believe in him coming out, and I believe in his situation. It's just like he just falls in a really weird spot of drafts, and where he just probably won't catch enough passes uh, to really, you know, to tickle me where he goes. Emmanuel Sanders still considers himself uh, a realistic. Uh, considers that week one would be a re- return, uh, a realistic return for him. Uh, Sanders said he will not commit to a concrete uh, timetable, according to Nikki Javlov, the Athletic. Um, but it uh, seems like he's where he needs to be in his recovery from last year's Achilles tear. Uh, Rich, I mean, do you think Manny Sanders will be ready in time to be a full go here for week one of uh, the NFL season, especially considering how late he tore that Achilles? Um, You know, like, what's going on? Yeah, I mean, I can't say that for sure because I don't know his body or, you know, and really where where he's exactly at. I mean, I do just know from, like, all the people that are, are credible in our field that have, you know, a background. Um, they, they expect him to be on the, be on the pup, uh, expect him to either start and start slowly if he is available. Uh, he's just not a guy. I, I actually don't even have him on my draft board. I'm just not going to do it. Uh, I, I mean, I'm, it, it stinks, but we got a guy who's 32 years old coming off of a torn Achilles. Who's trying to push himself to be back early. That's place with, uh, Joe Flacco. Like, I, yeah, it doesn't that like. I, I'm just not I, like I'm not just gonna sell myself on like no matter what round it is like oh he's value here um, I'm just not gonna do it he's just an object it's just an objectively bad bet I mean there's there's just no point like at what at, at no cost 
do do you, can I sell myself on him really being a value? Um, because objectively, I don't expect him to start the season. If he does start the season, I don't expect him to be a hundred percent. And then two, they've got two rookie wide receivers they took last year that they need to expand roles for. Uh, you know, going in because also he's this Manuel Sanders is thirty two years old. So I mean, uh, you know, it, it's just it's just a situation. I'm just not. I'm just gonna say I'm content that I missed on Manny Sanders if he hits. I'm just gonna. I've already just like put it in my head if he makes it there, so be it. But objectively, he's just a terrible bet. Yeah, totally agree. I mean, he would be probably someone you'd consider avoiding even if he wasn't coming off an Achilles tear. Just going into, uh, you know, an age thirty two wide receiver with. Joe Flacco and what's going to be probably a really bad offense is not a situation you want to chase anyway. And so, yeah, not to mention the injury. I mean, obviously none of us are doctors, but I think we'd all be pretty surprised if he if he were ready for a week one return. So, I mean, I'm totally on board. He's not he's not getting anywhere near my teams except in a few cases where unfortunately I've auto picked him. <laughs> uh, yeah. I, I don't know. I mean, the the thing about you know, I mean, you, you made a good point about like just 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 Joe Flacco, starting quarterback, Denver Broncos is uh, man. Is there a sadder like grouping of words? <laughs> I mean, like, I mean, he, to be fair, he had Case Keenum last year, which was just as bad as Case Keenum played. I mean, I could sell myself. If you were saying we were getting. A healthy Manny, a healthy Manny Sanders is for sure going to lead this team in targets, and I can I can work with that as like become a value at some point. But then when you add, you know, the Achilles, the age, uh, the fact that Sutton and Hamilton should be part of the offense more, they should be expanding their roles from a from a, just an arbitrary franchise stance. Uh, you know, yeah. like it's, it's just like I said, there's you just everything just mounts, it just snowballs down to where it's just like. They're all negative. They're all red flags. The other thing that I've been playing around with, like this, I mean, Tim Patrick's kind of intriguing, uh, if only because I've stashed him in some very deep dino leagues. But I mean, the guy I really am interested in figuring out and excited to see what his usage looks like is Noah Fat, if only because, mm-hmm. um, I mean, if there's a guy who's positioned to have a season, in my opinion, uh, like Evan Ingram off uh, as a rookie, it, it probably could just be Fant, right? Do you offhandedly know how, like, would would Denver utilize Fant more as a move tight end as opposed to an inline blocker, you know, and more so use him as a big wide receiver? Just because, I mean, like, he's like, you know, like, the guy's a physical freak. And, like, having someone with that size-speed combo with an ability to catch a football the way he does... Uh, you know, I'm, I'm kind of interested in hearing if if I'm off base here because I, you know when people hear tight end, like they, they typically think about having to play both, you know, blocking and receiving. But I feel like wouldn't it just be more feasible to use him as a big wide receiver given the lack of actual, you know, solid big, big-bodied receiving uh, options in that uh, receiving core. Yeah, I would think that's why they draft before. I mean, you, the last two years, Noah Fan was asked to pass block on just 41 snaps. At Iowa. Now they had TJ Hawkinson, you know, who was just tremendous, you know, a tremendous blocker. Um, But that's, I would, I mean, I would assume that Denver brought him in to be basically a receiver first. And, you know, Joe Flacco is no stranger to peppering the tight end position with targets. I mean, Baltimore ranked top 12 in team tight end target market share from 2013 to 2018, all those years with Flacco under center. Um, You know, he, you know, Fant definitely has a wider range of outcomes, you know, kind of being a rookie and, you know, rookie tight ends have 
definitely not been fruitful fruitful for us and from a fantasy sense um but yeah i mean i think when you look at a team that's coming into the season that doesn't probably a little sketchier on the wide receiver end um you know he could definitely be a guy that gets you know the, the tertiary targets to to be productive um it just like i said it just if whether you want to get into bed with a rookie tight end or not comes to it but I mean, I think he's a better bet year one than Hawkinson is for fantasy, that is. Um, and maybe just for the career, just because of the receiving over. Um, but Hawkinson definitely could be a guy who could just live on touchdown production, you know, at some point in his, you know, in his career. Uh, probably maybe as a trump card. But uh, I would take Fant to have definitely more targets and more receptions than Hawkinson year one. All right, that'll do it for this edition of the Fantasy Football Report. Special thanks to our guest, Rich Rebar. Be sure to follow him on Twitter at Lord Reeves. Please remember to rate and review the Road of His Radio channel on Apple Podcasts and subscribe to our Patreon. For Hassan Rahim, I'm Blair Andrews. Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to the Fantasy Football Report. Please rate and review the Road of His Radio podcast channel on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. Contact us via email, rotovizradio at gmail.com and follow us on Twitter at Rotoviz Radio. And remember, you can always support the pod by subscribing to Rotoviz at a 30% discount through the Rotoviz Radio homepage, rotoviz.com slash podcast. seared the thickest porterhouse in the butcher shop and as you lift that first forkful to your mouth you savor the moment to get amazing offers during the mercedes-benz summer event like the 2019 c-class sedan and glc suv the perfect recipes of driving performance plus you can enjoy six months of sirius xm all access included the mercedes-benz summer event now serving limited time offers on a select lineup of vehicles offers end september 3rd mercedes-benz the best or nothing they call you the grill master You've seared the thickest porterhouse in the butcher shop. And as you lift that first forkful to your mouth, you savor the moment. To get amazing offers during the Mercedes-Benz Summer Event, like the 2019 C-Class Sedan and GLC SUV, the perfect recipes of driving performance. Plus, you can enjoy six months of Sirius XM All Access included. The Mercedes-Benz Summer Event, now serving limited-time offers on a select lineup of vehicles. Offers end September 3rd. Mercedes-Benz, the best or nothing. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? 
Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.